Previously on Film Code. Two weeks in a row, the code word has been broken. <laughs> I went with 2017's Going In Style. I'm literally saying the same thing. Nick said the same thing, and maybe maybe I made it too easy, but I don't care. Like the, it's a sweep across the board. Everyone got it. Um, finally, <laughs> finally. <laughs> and that is the last castle, directed by Rod Lurie. Um, castle is kind of a word for fortification. I mean, it's a wall. I mean, it's big. It's a wall. You're protecting people. Um, I hope this is it because <laughs> I kind of check all those boxes. I did the heavy research and I gotta say, Nathan and I got the exact same movie. Uh, so. And I just got confirmation, gentlemen, it was The Last Castle. Congratulations, you both got it. There <laughs> we go, Nathan, you're on the board, man. Like <laughs> I was technically already on the board. <laughs> on this the is board. bullshit. Nick Spain is ahead, he's, he's broken the code. <laughs> now, it's Nick's turn with the new code word this week. Mate, prepare yourself, gentlemen, because next week it's going to be a challenge. I'm not letting anybody catch up to my two. Will anyone be able to crack Nick's code word? Plus, a review of the new Hulu original movie, Palm Springs. And a discussion on the best actor-director combos we love to see. All that and more on this week's episode of Film Code. Welcome to Film Code, episode officially eight. I thought uh, we had episode eight last week, but that was actually episode seven. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, we are here, and it is a one-on-one -on -one episode this week. Uh, this is just myself, Phoenix Cloudin, and I'm joined by the great Nathan Pig. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Phoenix. How are you? This will be interesting uh, going at each other today when it's just you and I, but... <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fun nonetheless. Um, you guys can find me over on Letterboxd at Nathan Pig. That's Pig with two Gs. Um, I have a ton of hot takes, some things you'll probably yeah. disagree with, but that's all the fun. That's why we love movies. So feel free to interact with me on anything. Also, go ahead and follow us on Twitter at FilmCodePod. We're super interactive. That's probably our most interactive social media site. Obviously, we're a little smaller right now, but if you're here listening to us, please make sure we know that. Please go ahead and interact with us. Um, we don't know that you're listening to this, so please just interact with us. We want to thank you. We want to, you know, just appreciate you as well. So check us out over there. Yes, definitely. Uh, again, Phoenix Clowning. You can find me on Twitter at IMHOReviews1. Uh, that's, that's the number one. And on Letterboxd under PA Clowden. So we do have a pretty stacked show to get through, even though it's just us two. So... Uh, first off, we want to kick off with our review. Uh, we we got our hands on a little, I guess you would call it a, a, a well, I guess it's a Hulu original. So uh, this week we uh, watched Palm Springs that stars uh, Andy Samberg and Kristen Milotti. Uh 
this was this was a, a different pick for us because like I feel like normally like you know we 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 reach for the like the meteor movies you know what I'm saying just the the heavier themes and uh, this was really just kind of a lighthearted fun comedy and uh, I want to know you first uh, how how did you feel about it because you well, watched this a lot sooner than I did yeah well I think first of all I think that like we'd be talking about the most relevant films in a normal year. Like we probably would have done Black Widow and The Tenant and Wonder Woman 1984 and all those in a normal year. But um, for now, we're just trying to pick like the biggest releases when there's not really a big release. That's when we talk about the uncut gems or, you know, some of the other episodes where we haven't done. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the fact that it's not necessarily a a magnitude of a Hamilton or Five Bloods, I think that's fine. It's definitely the biggest release going on this week. Uh, maybe that tied along with The Old Guard on Netflix. Right. But, um, yeah, this has some outstanding reviews. It came out to Hulu on Friday, so I was excited to check this out. Some of my favorite YouTubers, uh, Austin Burke, Sean Chandler, loved this movie, so I was definitely really excited to check it out. And I actually saw this on Friday, the first day that it was available, so yippee, I guess. Um, <laughs> I was really surprised, first of all, that J.K. Simmons was in this. I love J.K. Right. Simmons, one of my favorite actors, definitely an absolute talent. But, like, I, I, he okay? Like, what, <laughs> what is he doing here? They didn't really give him much to do. Like, sure, I guess it's better than getting some no-name to play that role because he actually adds some magnitude. But I was kind of disappointed with how little he was in it. But at, for the film overall, it was a fun film right it was very fun lighthearted, made me laugh a little bit um but at the end of the day that's all it was it was a good film it was a fun film i see people on letterboxd giving it four and a half stars five oh. stars i'm nowhere near that for me this is the definition of a good film right and it's nothing more it was yeah. good i mean there's nothing you can really talk about performance wise because it's just there's no one can shine with a performance in a movie like this. Um, and the comedy was okay. Um, I'm not really, I just don't watch a whole lot of time travel movies. Maybe I'll get better on that. It's just some genre I don't really watch a lot. Um, but it was fun. It wasn't that confusing. It wasn't ridiculously over the top. Um, and I like that they sprinkled in a bunch of different aspects like romance and I see like people talking about it's a depiction of pessimism versus optimism. And I think you might be reading a little bit too far into that, but there's definitely sprinkles of it. Um, Yeah. I don't want to go on too long. Like I said, it was a good movie, but I just, I kind of cringe when I see people giving this four and a half and five stars. What did you think? Uh, I'm somewhat in the same camp. Uh, I, okay. I did not know Andy Samberg was the lead in this movie. Uh, that that threw me off because the 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 poster or whatever doesn't doesn't show any of the uh, actors' faces. I don't believe. So uh, when I saw it and I saw that he was the lead, I was like, Ugh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, not that I like have anything against him. I just never found him terribly funny. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Brooklyn Nine Nine is great, but that it's great because. Terry Crews and Arby Plaza are freaking hysterical. Um, so I've never been terribly impressed with his comedy. Uh, but I saw it and I was like, 
okay, I'll be honest. The humor outside of anything Kristen Malati did, I wasn't terribly, terribly moved by. Like, mm. uh, I thought J.K. Simmons's role was great. I thought he did add, I thought he added more humor than anything, than anybody, really. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this was very, this was very lighthearted. This was very thin on, on, like you said, on performance. Uh, you know, J.K. Simmons is always great. Krista Malati, I love, cause you know, I, I'm a huge, uh, How I Met Your Mother fan. Uh, anyone who's watched that knows, you know, knows, knows Tracy McConnell. I almost called her Tracy McConnell. Like, as I was watching it, I was like, that's freaking hilarious. That's just she's going to be stuck with that role for a long time. <laughs> um, but yeah, the movie was, the movie was fine. It was fine. I thought for a genre film, it, uh, it didn't muddy the waters too much. You know, say when you're dealing with time travel and, and, you know, uh, I guess this would fall under a science fiction romantic comedy or something like that. I guess uh, so. Yeah. So it, it, it followed it, the rules of genre fairly well I thought what they did with uh, the story was unique enough I saw a lot of people comparing it to uh, Groundhog's Day and I was like uh, yeah you know it has the same premise of you know repeating the same day over again but this is like the sixth movie I've seen with that premise mm -hmm. uh, you know fairly recently so it's definitely a popular premise but uh, I thought they Personally, I feel like they executed it better than most films. The whole being stuck in the same day or whatever. I feel like they executed it better than more, uh, most films. And, um, and you know, you, you had solid performances. No one, no one really outshined anybody. Uh, but I've, I've heard you say this before. This is definitely one of those movies where you could replace the entire cast and nothing yeah. would change. Exactly. And, you know what I'm saying? It'd be pretty much the same movie. There's like, like, a, like performance wise, no one really was like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, oh, and, you and needed J that. J.K. <laughs> Simmons is an absolute talent, but like, yeah. they, the, what his character does in this movie just doesn't let him shine. He right. could, that could have been a no name actor. And like you said, the, the gravitas, if you will, that J.K. Simmons brings and the screen command he brings is great, but like, we, I couldn't be in that role. You could be in that role, and it doesn't really change anything. It's, yeah. No one's gonna be like when we talk about great J.K. Simmons performances, <laughs> other other than Whiplash. No one's gonna right. say Palm Springs. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, someone might. There's a there's a there's strange people out there, but uh, yeah, to me, it was fine. Like, honest to God, if if Kristen Malati wasn't in this, I, I don't know if it would have held my attention as much. Because uh, she's just awesome, right? She's she's so good as an actress and just as a person, just super funny, just naturally. Uh, reminds me actually a little bit, a lot of uh, Arby Plaza, but uh, yeah, just a naturally funny, gifted actress. Uh, she had a great role in this. Uh, I thought it was a really cool story. Humor not as strong, but... Uh, yeah, decent, easily passable. You know what I'm saying? It, it passed the time. That's pretty yeah. much the best and, way I can put it. And that's exactly what I want our listeners to think. Like, I don't want them to think we were 
you know, negative on this film or disliked it or anything like that. I liked this film. It was fun. It was a good time. I'm going to give it three and a half stars. Um, kind Ooh. of spoiler for, for where we're going with our ratings. But that's my definition of a good movie. This was good. Am I going to remember this movie a year from now? Probably not. Am I going to remember this when I think of 2020 movies? Maybe if, if, if the pandemic keeps going this year. Right, but if, right. if, theaters, <laughs> if theaters open back up and we get Tenant, we get Black Widow, like, no, I'm not going to remember this. Um, <laughs> when I think of J.K. Simmons, am I going to think of this movie? No. Am I going to, when I think of time travel movies, am I going to think about this? No. Like, I'm going to think about Endgame. I'm going to think about About Time. I'm going to think about Looper. Like, I, I'm not going to think about this. And it just, that's my biggest problem with it is it just doesn't do anything memorable. It doesn't do anything like, let me revisit this. Um, you know, you mentioned something like a month ago when we were doing our best of the decades, when you said like a movie party, would I bring this movie to a movie party? And I've never thought of that before. And seemingly, <laughs> seemingly every movie I watch, I think about that now. I'm like, would I bring this to a movie party? And if I did, what would people think of me? If I brought this to a movie party, people would probably be like, oh, okay, this is one I, I could be on my phone during and right. laugh a little bit. And I also think this is a great movie for just a casual date night. Like you're going out with your significant other or, you know, you get dinner and a movie with your significant other. This is not a long movie by any means. It'll make you laugh a little bit. And it's something that I feel like everyone can enjoy, I think you know, your grandparents could watch this with you. And while they may be a little bit confused by the time travel aspect, they'd still enjoy it as well as I think, you know, an 11 year old would enjoy it. Um, it's very general, but at the same time, that's where I think it hits its ceiling. It just, it doesn't do anything memorable. It doesn't do anything particularly great. It's not like the story's okay, but the comedy's incredible or right, right. the comedy's okay but the story is just magnificent for time travel. It just, it doesn't do anything that makes yeah. me like, be like, wow, I am a better person <laughs> for watching this movie or maybe not a better person, but wow, I'm, I have grown in my film taste and expanded my mind watching this movie. It just, it just doesn't. And well, that's okay. Uh, that, that's the one thing I will say about genre film is uh, I believe that, it, it definitely serves a purpose. Uh, and, I, and I do believe that purpose is to widen the variety of tastes that you have in film, it, even, if it's, even if it's towards the negative. So like, uh, you know, me personally, I don't really watch a lot of uh, science fiction movies. They're just, just not my, my biggest genre. Um, but I, and, and so because of that, like, there are movies, a lot of science fiction movies that a lot of people love that I absolutely despise. Like, <laughs> like give me one. Like Arrival. I hated Arrival. I thought that movie was slow and, and drab and it had no point and it was just annoying. Uh, but a lot of people love it. And I think that's where genre would help. Like if I had been building up this trove of, of uh, science fiction films, maybe I would have a greater appreciation for it. Um, and I feel like this, this is, this is one of those. So it's a bit of science fiction. It's a bit of a romantic comedy. Me, I, I, I'm deep in my romantic comedy. Like, like there's no question there. Like, so in that, 
I'm, I'm infused and I go, did they succeed in that aspect, in the romance, in the comedy? Do your two leads match? Do they have great chemistry? Uh, does, their, does their romance seem believable? Yada, yada. And uh, in that, I feel like they, they did especially well. Casting Krista Malati was the strongest, smartest thing you could have done. And then, yeah, you, you made me at least like this couple, this, you know, bringing them together. I thought that was great. Uh, you're right, though. I don't, I don't see it as being the most memorable film. I definitely think if we, we get theaters back, this is going to dip way down my list of 2020 movies. Um, yeah, I'm not as, I'm not like, when you said three and a half, that, that's strikingly high. Uh, I might go, I might go three, yeah, but. I was, I was thinking it, I two enjoy. and a half myself. Like, uh, I thought it was great, you know, for what it was, but it's not exactly, you know, when I think about what I've seen this year, you know what I'm saying? Between it's somewhere between like uh, Lovebirds and like <laughs> you know, Whoa. like like wow. I don't know, like Extraction. Somewhere like it's it's in See, between there. I'm I'm much higher than that because at the end of the day, I, I did enjoy this film. It's just that's what holds me back. Like it's that's exactly it. It's like okay, I got two hours to kill. Let me just pop this on and have a good time. I'm not going to have the time of my life. I'm not going to have a memorable time, but I'll have a good time. And that's exactly what I thought this film was. Um, Listen, if you are giving the, if you're listening to this and you're giving this four and a half stars, you're giving this five stars. I'm in no position. Phoenix is in no position to tell you how to live your life or rate your movies. Right. But if you think this is a five star film or a four and a half star film, please watch other films. Please. <laughs> because this is nowhere close to four and a half stars or I mean, even five stars. Like, please, think, please watch other films. <laughs> I think, you know, some like, yeah, he's right. We can't tell you, you know what I'm saying, what you like. Hey, if this is a five star film for you, that's great. You know what I'm saying? I also hope that, like, you know, Scarface or, or, you know, Shawshank Redemption are also five-star films for you. If not, then wow. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Or something in that lane, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's got the Departed poster back there. I sincerely hope that's at least a four, four and a half for you. Uh, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> I just, I mean, listen, like I said, maybe, maybe it's because 2020 has just brought a lot of disappointment yeah. Um, when Invisible Man and Defied Bloods are consistently at the top of people's list, you know, maybe that people are just uh, so antsy for a good movie that they want to love. And this made them laugh. They had a good time with it. Five stars, four and a half stars. Like, I, I just think you're too antsy. I mean, yeah. this is coming from a guy who my number one movie in 2020 has a 2.9 on Letterboxd. So <laughs> I get it. Like, I get rating things high that a lot of people don't agree with but as of right now palm springs on letterbox has a three nine and what? it has an it has an overwhelming majority of four stars seven point seven thousand people out of twenty one thousand almost thirty three percent of you 
have rated this four stars. I just, I don't see that. I'm sorry. I don't. And I know I'm coming close with three and a half. I might dip that down to a three. Um, but I, I mean, I, I, I just don't get it. Like, what does yeah. this do for you? If, if this, if this is hilarious to you, <laughs> what, what do you get out of Step Brothers? What do you yeah, get out of yeah. the disaster artist? What do you get out of some of these iconic comedies? What is it? What do those films mean to you? Uh, you know, Hey, you know, to each their own. Um, I, like I said, I don't, I wish uh, uh, we had Jeremy and Nick here. I feel like uh, they would definitely bring um, an interesting perspective. I feel like Jeremy would love this, uh, but yeah, for me, the comedy just like, it's, it's a romantic comedy, right? So you're supposed to nail those two things. That, that's my, that's my critique. You nail the romance, you, you nail the comedy. Uh, one of the movies that I absolutely love that doesn't necessarily deal with time travel or anything, but does have like a, a, a I guess you could call it a science fiction-y aspect to it is uh, What Women Want. Uh, Mel Gibson, Helen Hunt. Uh, a lot of people hate on that movie because, you know, Mel Gibson is, is in it and he's, you know, he's got some issues, <laughs> right? Whatever. But I love that movie. I adore that movie. I've watched it countless times. I uh, mainly for Helen Hunt, who I think is just absolutely gorgeous. Um, but I love the story of that. And, and they nail both aspects. They nail the romance. They nail the comedy. It works. You know what I'm saying? Here, you got the romance, right? Yeah. Comedy just falls in just an inch short. Um, you know, like I said, Kristen Malati's great. J.K. Simmons brought some really good humor to it. But uh Yeah, it's just for me this was this was pretty aimless for the most part. And it, uh it's a film that you know, it's a good time, but when someone asks you what did you like about it, you're just like, I I I guess it was it was <laughs> it was just enjoyable. It yeah. was enjoyable, but like it didn't have anything memorable about it. It just doesn't. I feel like we're retreading the tires here, just saying yeah. this over and over again. But yeah. that's just that's just what it is. I mean, I I literally am cringing looking at this three nine rating on Letterbox. <laughs> I hope as of the time we're talking about this, it's only been out for two days. I hope come next Sunday, it's yeah. down to like a, a three five or three six because it's just it's... way too high. I mean, this has a high. <laughs> This has a higher letterbox score right now than The Last Jedi, which I know a lot of people hate, but I mean, come on. Um, this has a higher rating than To Five Bloods, oh, no, that's higher than The Invisible Man. That's definitely ridiculous. Significantly <laughs> higher than The Way Back. Okay, that one's fair. This has a higher <laughs> rating on let. This has the same rating on Letterbox as Avengers Infinity War. Avengers Infinity War should be way higher than that, but okay, what whatever. So I don't, whatever. I don't like. Maybe we're we're freaking out a little bit, but I just, guys, come on. <laughs> this was just an enjoyable film and nothing more. Yeah, I can't really was... say anything else good about it because yeah. the performances were not anything memorable. The comedy made me laugh a little bit, but not nearly as much as I should have, and. 
I mean, it doesn't do anything good for the genre necessarily either. And I think what you said about uh, it being a date movie, I think that is very, very true. This, this like, you know, I, I'm, I'm single. So I watch this, you know, at home, late at night on my phone uh, in preparation for the show. So, you know, I wasn't in the mindset of like, you know, taking a girl out or like, hey, let's pop this on. It definitely, I think in that, in that respect, if you watched it in that respect, uh, you probably got a lot more out of it. No doubt about it. You probably got a lot more out of it. If your girl laughed and, and you know what I'm saying, and you, you, you felt better about yourself because you chose a good movie, I, I get it. Like that, that's definitely where I feel that, that extra one and a half stars is coming from. But uh, for me, just, you know, just checking it out, unbiased, no, uh, no second opinion to, to help it through. It was cool. I'd enjoyed it. I'd probably watch it again uh, with company, but uh, uh, checking it out on my own, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't that great for me. What's, what's funny, too, is like if this was the Lovebirds, if the Lovebirds did everything that Palm Springs did. It'd be a lot better. <laughs> it'd be like I, I feel like the lovebirds would be skyrocketing up the rankings <laughs> but i don't know and i feel like a lot of what we're saying too is also the ratings it has if palm springs had a three floor right now on letterbox i feel like we wouldn't need to shit on it as much as we are <laughs> it's just that i just don't understand why everyone's in love with this film i don't i'm sorry yeah. it was a good time and it wasn't anything more it's uh it's definitely the anxiety so uh real quick final official where are you going you know it's three and a half or are you going more you know i said it was three and a half um that's what i've been thinking but sleeping on it and getting to talk with you about it here um i'm gonna drop it down and also a big part of that is just thinking about some of the comedies i've rated three and a half stars i rated when harry met sally three and a half and the nice guys three and a half which are two great comedies that i just liked i didn't love and I think Palm Springs is several, several steps behind those two films. So I'm going to give it a three-star rating. I'll give it a B. It's going to be right ahead of Shirley in my 2020 ranking. Um, and that's just good enough to put it in the top five in a very shitty year. But, <laughs> but it's not – it would be right behind The Way Back right now in my ranking, and I think The Way Back is, is miles better than this. Wow. Uh, yeah. For me, I'm sticking with uh, two and a half stars. Uh, thought it was great. Loved, loved Tracy. I mean, uh, Kristen. Loved uh, seeing her in it. Uh, J.K. Simmons again was was great. Uh, overall, I thought it was decent. You know, had funny moments. Um, right now, I think that would put it way behind <laughs> i think it would I, th I don't think it is even in my top 10 i don't i think it's like like bottom 20 right now yeah. for my for my uh 2020 trust records. me and for me in a normal year this, that would be really bad yeah. but yeah <laughs> in, a, in an awful year like it's it's cracking the top five unfortunately yikes Alright. <laughs> I've seen I'm like this week has been disgusting. I've been so proud of this, honestly, because I've watched like eight or nine things this week. 
just just trying to get through some 2020 films that I had missed. And then there was a bunch of things. that I, There was one thing I watched three times this week. What? I need help. Trust me. I need help. But you go ahead. Kick us off. What you got for what's good? Stop me if you've heard this before from someone on this show, but I had a bad week watching. <laughs> um, you know, I, I have a job. Right. I have other priorities, so I don't get as much time to watch things as I normally do. But um, when I did get to watch things, I had a bad year. I, a bad week, excuse me. I rated two things, one and a half stars, Ooh. and I rated one thing, one star. So <laughs> it has been a bad week for sure. Um, the lone bright spot would be I started defending Jacob with my family mm-hmm. over on Apple TV. Uh, a few weeks ago, I talked about the morning show and how great that was. Defending Jacob has been better so far. Wow. Apple TV has been killing it with the content I've seen lately. Now, I watched Greyhound last night, that Tom oh. Hanks war movie. Really? <laughs> Apple wow. TV has been killing it other than Greyhound. Um, wow. Even though they did not make that movie, they purchased Greyhound. Right. Regardless... From their TV shows I've seen, Morning Show, Defending Jacob, it's been incredible. It, it's better than any Netflix series I've seen so far. That includes Stranger Things. That includes Black Mirror. Um, I think Defending Jacob's been wonderful. I am about halfway through it with my family, and it's, it's been great. As far as the writing, I think, and I know, I know it's an adaptation from a book, but still I think the writing has been some of the best writing in a TV show I've seen in a very long time. So Defending Jacob on Apple TV Plus, um, Apple Plus or whatever whatever it's called, the Apple <laughs> streaming service, right. it's only uh, $4.99 a month. I got it free with my uh, college student account. Nice. So it's inexpensive. I guarantee you guys should get it. Wow. Okay. Well, we are both going to talk about a streaming uh, service that has plus in the title, apparently. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, uh, recently I was asked on Twitter, uh, what, what was my favorite animated movie? And, uh, oh, no. my, my favorite animated movie of all time is the Lion King. Like oh, nothing no. is top, nothing is top the Lion King in my, in my opinion. I know but, where this is going. But my favorite animated movie right now, this year is Frozen 2. I've absolutely adored Frozen 2. I, I love it, love it, love it to pieces. One of my favorite animated movies I've ever seen. Uh, sensational. But that's not what I'm going to recommend. What I'm recommending is Into the Unknown, the making of Frozen 2. <laughs> it's a documentary on Disney Plus, six parts. And I got to say, man, I've never been so compelled by watching a documentary about animators like you know what i'm saying like you know you watch a movie and you you think of the the actors and the director and maybe the cinematographer or something like that who really like bring that film together but in animated movies all you have are the people who you never see right (laughs) like you have these these writers you have the, the the people who do the score the musicians, the, the the technical animators who are, are plenty. Like there's a lot of animators on this movie. And so watching it six parts and you're just 
delving into all of the different things that um, that make an animated movie. And it, it's so interesting because the whole time I was watching it, I was like, God, I wish they did this for every animated movie, especially the ones that suck, right? Like, like the ones that are just like, ugh, like, how did you do that? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. how did you get to that point? Because in this one, like, you see everything, like, how hard it is to, like, animating water. You would think, like, that's not a difficult thing. That's freaking hard. It takes days to animate water. I was like, <laughs> what? Like, days to animate water. Uh, and, like, my favorite things about Frozen 2 were the score, the the songs, which I really love. I think the songs in Frozen 2 are better than the ones in, in the first Frozen. And uh, the animation. Those those three things were stellar. So to see the process from beginning to end, pretty much, of how they got those things done is it's impressive to like no end. And then when it's finally done and you and they put it out there and how it's received, like you feel the joy from the, the directors, like, oh thank God, it's finally over. <laughs> like, like, oh thank God it's over and it's a success. Cause it took them four years to make this movie. So like, and they struggled with some things that you would think weren't that hard, but like, yeah, like they had a hell of a, a hell of a time with it, but I would recommend it highly into the unknown, the making of frozen two now on Disney plus great six part documentary, fairly short episodes, like 30 minutes, really, really good stuff to get through. And that's, what's good. Sweet. We got something new this week. We're going to take a quick Q&A. So for those of you that are listening, uh, over on Twitter every week, we ask for some questions that you guys can drop. This can be anything film related. It doesn't have to be what we're talking about today. It can even be about, hey, Phoenix, what would you eat for dinner last night? Um, You ain't getting that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, in case you're you're really uh, interested in that, it doesn't matter. You can still ask. But we do have a question this week. Not nearly as many questions as we'd like. So uh, go ahead and answer or ask us some questions over there for next week. But regardless, um, certain vids over on Twitter, they are at certain vids, asked us, uh, what is your favorite performance by a lead actor? And that is part one of the two-part question. So Phoenix, why don't we start with you? Favorite performance by a lead actor ever. And we're going favorite, ever. not not best. Oh, favorite. okay. All right. So that's that's a different question. So Absolutely. Favorite <laughs> and best is different no matter what we're talking right, about. Right, right. So certain vids wants to know. What's your favorite performance by a lead actor? Yikes. Okay. Like that's such a loaded question because that's I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot of performances. Uh, and just off the top of my head, my favorite performance by a lead actor ever? Heath. All right, I'm going to have to go to my, my stash uh, here. You want to think about it? And no. I'll go? Uh, uh, yeah, you go. <laughs> All right. you I'll, go. Give two, I'll give two for you here. Um, okay. Real quick. When I think of iconic performances and I think of favorite performances, 
a lot of my brain just thinks about supporting roles. Uh, that's just how it is. Like my brain just instantly thinks to supporting roles. You know, Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight, uh, Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction. Like just that's just what my brain does, and that's fine. So it was a little bit more difficult for me to come up with with lead roles. So I'm going to give you two. Um, if you're listening to us on YouTube or you see you know what's behind me here i have a hateful eight poster one of my few posters here behind me absolutely adore the hateful eight samuel l jackson in that movie is just wonderful i don't even think that's samuel l jackson's best role i think that comes in django i think that comes in pulp fiction but you asked for favorite and this might be my favorite of samuel l jackson's role because he's just such a badass he doesn't take any shit obviously at the time the hateful eight is supposed to take place um it's a, during a very racist time and for samuel L. jackson to go in there be the only uh non-white male in that setting he just kicks everyone's ass i <laughs> i absolutely adore the hateful eight love samuel L. jackson's character in that um not even his best performance but you asked for favorites so that's mine and second one i'm gonna go phoenix i really don't want to get into it so uh <laughs> Don't say anything, okay. but um, Christian Bale's my favorite actor. Absolutely adore Christian Bale. American Hustle is my favorite performance of his by far. I love American Hustle as a film overall. Outstanding cast, but I think Bale's performance as Irving, it's brilliant. I love everything about it. Um, that might be, without seriously thinking about more, I'm going to go with Christian Bale and American Hustle as my favorite performance. Obviously, it's not the best. There are right. several better ones. You asked for favorites. That's mine. Okay. All right. I think I've, I've come to a conclusion here. Uh, I, I, too, am going to give two. So just to cover my bases here. Uh, so just to clarify, he said favorite performance by an actor does Favorite that's... performance by a lead actor. Okay, so that's specifically a male actor. Then. You, you can give a female, too. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just double check it. I want to make sure. But if I was going with a male actor, I think uh, for me of all time, uh, the, the, the person I have to go with is um, Eddie Murphy in Coming to America. I think... That's one of all time favorite movies of mine. Definitely uh, one of my favorite performances uh, that I've ever seen. It's just a classic movie, super funny, really just off the, tar off the charts entertaining. Uh, and I absolutely adore Eddie Murphy. So for me, that's definitely one of my top favorite performances. Uh, of all time. Uh, and I'll give one other one that's fairly recent. Uh, <laughs> and uh, like like you said, I don't want to hear nothing. <laughs> all right. I don't want to hear nothing. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> my next favorite performance, uh, this is just at random that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, I'm going with Bradley Cooper. And that is from Silver Linings Playbook. I think that movie 
David O. Russell. One of the few David O. Russell movies that I actually like. Uh, but Bradley Cooper is sensational in that movie. He's definitely one of my favorite actors. Uh, like I said, I love uh, I love A Star Is Born. Actually, that like the movie itself and his performance is probably the better one. But as far as my favorite, is Silver Linings Playbook. I love Bradley Cooper. I don't oh, know why okay. you thought I'd shit on that. Um, real quick though, before we get on to part two of that question. Um, oh wait, wait, wait! One yeah. more. One more, yeah. one more that I definitely know you'll hate. Joaquin oh, Phoenix in her. Joaquin Phoenix in I her. Just, I just don't like her. That's I okay. love that movie. Two pieces. That's Adore okay. it. And Joaquin Phoenix is fantastic. So there we go. Those are my favorites. Um, real quick, you mentioned David O. Russell. I am currently, this has been like a three-month project for me, <laughs> is watching all the David O. Russell films. So Nick's not on to speak on this, but Nick is very good at binging director's films. Like he watched like all 10 Nolan films in like six days or something. <laughs> he pumped out the, he pumped out the Denis Villeneuve, all of his movies in like a week. He is good at just bang, 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 bang out of director's work. Um, for me, I'm, I wish I could binge a director's work like that. I really want to, maybe when we get back to college, I can. Um, but I've been trying to watch David O. Russell's films during quarantine. He only has like nine or 10, I think. And this has been an absolute struggle because all of them are pretty bad. And <laughs> here's how this went real quick. Let me quick story time. If you follow my letterbox, you've heard this American hustle. I just talked about it. I love American Hustle. One of my favorite movies ever. David O. Russell, love it. Silver Linings Playbook. Watched it with my girlfriend in March or April. It was a solid movie. I, I, I don't think it's great or iconic, but it was solid. I had a good time with it. And then he also does The Fighter with Christian Bale and Mark Wahlberg. Another thing, another movie that I thought was solid. It was good. It wasn't great. wasn't anything spectacular, but I liked it. And I was like, wow, okay. Fighter was good. Silver Linings Playbook was good. American Hustle, I love. Let me just watch the other six or seven <laughs> David O. Russell films. And this has been absolutely atrocious. I have two left. I cannot wait to finish it. This has been like a three or four month project. David O. Russell, outside of those three films, is just an awful director. I watched I Heart Huckabees last week. That is just disgustingly bad. I'm I'm done. Phoenix is just laughing his ass off over there. I I can't I can't oh. stay. I will always love American Hustle. I will always hold that in a special place in my heart. But David oh. O. Russell, man, if I see you in public, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some mean words. So just wanted wow. a quick story there. So sorry for de derailing. <laughs> sorry for derailing, but um, just had to say that real quick. Wow. So. Certain vids, um, at certain vids on Twitter, his second part of the question was favorite film score of all time. Um, for me, if we're talking like original, I, I, I'm not the best person when it comes to score. Mm -hmm. I obviously absolutely love and adore the music in La La Land. Um, that music is just beautiful. I don't know if that necessarily counts because that's not necessarily, I don't know. If that counts, great. If it doesn't, no worries. You got to go the original Star Wars um, mm. with John Williams. Mm. That is absolutely iconic. Mm. And I really don't know like a better music score than that. The original Star Wars. Yeah, that, that's a tough one. Uh, yeah. 
I mean, speaking of like when you're talking iconic, I think you're definitely looking at at Star Wars. But uh, you said favorite, so that being the key word, I I wish I could say something like you know classic. I truly wish I could say something classic, uh, but I I really just started paying attention to film scores like last three years maybe so that's where I'm where I'm pulling my uh, expertise from and some people may hate me for this but uh, it's Avengers Endgame I'm serious I like I'm sorry Portals is amazing I think Alan Silvestri is one of the best freaking composers of all time uh, yeah like and you know we recently had the passing of uh, Ennio Morricone and he did a lot of like some of the best scores of all time definitely but uh, yeah for me I can't get over portals man that's just one of the that's that's one of those things where it's like ah uh, I live for that moment so for me it's Avengers Endgame that's I'm my favorite you. that's my favorite I'm with you that's that's definitely a really good one so yeah. um certain vids thank you for the questions hopefully uh, we gave you some good answers for you guys, we will take two or three questions on the show. We just don't get two or three questions. <laughs> so please feel free to go over on, on Twitter, at FilmCodePod, interact with us. There's a tweet every week saying we're recording in a day, we're recording in a couple of days. Shoot us your questions. Just drop a question. Like there's, We'll shout you out just like we did with certain vids um, and answer your questions. This is kind of fun for us because we don't really get to think about it too much in advance. It's more on the spot. Yeah. and just get to know a little bit more of our tastes and our opinions um so yeah all right so we had a very interesting topic for our discussion this week uh and uh i'm excited for it because i feel like we are going to get some very interesting combinations out of this the one thing i am very interested in is i bet we picked a lot of the same directors so <laughs> let's get into this uh our, our discussion this week was uh, what actor-director combos would we like to see? Because, uh, you know, people work with each other all the time, but it's so rare to see, you know, a mix of uh, characters who... It's rare when you realize who hasn't worked with each other yet. So um, we did a deep dive. Uh, we came up with some interesting combinations. Uh, Nathan, kick us off, man. We'll go back and forth. So I want to know, yeah, who's your just, first choice? Just real quick, um, we this has to be people that haven't worked together. So right. you can't just say, like, for example, just doing this, uh, like doing this research last night. You're kind of treading a thin line when you're saying, for example, like um, Lakeith Stanfield and. Um, Jordan Peele. Well, they were together in Get Out. Well, Lakeith right. Sanfield didn't have that big of a role in Get Out. No. They oh, worked together. They worked together. That counts. <laughs> right. Um, well, Anthony Mackie and Ryan Coogler. Well, you're right. They technically haven't worked together, but they're both MCU, so I would say no on that. Like, come on. Like, let's get fresh. Let's get people that actually haven't worked together. Um, even if you had the most minimal role, like, let's just get fresh. And Phoenix and I um if we were joined by our other two guys I, I kind of stressed to them like let's pick actual like let's give real reasons not 
mm-hmm. uh, this guy's my favorite director, this guy's my favorite <laughs> actor. Uh, they uh, never worked together. together. Yeah. Like, no, like, let's give real reasons. So right. we each have five, I believe. Yep. Um, I think we should go in backwards order of what we'd, of what we'd like to see, like save our best okay. for last. Sure. Um, all righty. So let's kick it off. I spent a ton of time on this, guys, like way too much time because I had fun with it, number one. Number one, I had, I, I had a ton of fun with this. So yeah. I love this. Um, for you casting directors out there listening to our show, <laughs> hit me up. So Just my fifth one. one percent. My fifth one, in last place of my options, um, I was trying to find someone for a Martin Scorsese film. Love <laughs> Scorsese. He's worked with a lot of people. And obviously he does gang movies and I was trying to find the perfect older actor that could really just be an intimidating, scary mobster, kind of like what Harvey Keitel was in the Irishman, but Harvey Keitel was only in the Irishman for like five minutes. I'm going to be so mad if we chose the same person. We didn't. Okay. I couldn't find anyone. Like maybe (laughs) it was just, it was really late last night. Maybe my creative brain wasn't flowing. I just couldn't find it. So I was just trying to go with scratch the old guy, scratch the mafia, mm-hmm. just find Martin Scorsese, an intimidating actor. Mm-hmm. Who's an intimidating guy that Martin Scorsese could pluck into a villain role and he'd kill it. And I think I found the perfect actor. Like I said, don't know if he fits the mob life, but whatever. I'd like to see Martin Scorsese with Javier Bardem or Ooh. Bardem, however you say his name. If you've seen Javier Bardem, I don't know. Is it Bardem or Bardem? I, I don't know. It's Bardem. Okay, Bardem. If you've seen Javier Bardem in, first off, No Country for Old Men, mm. he can definitely play an intimidating villain. Definitely. <laughs> and if you've seen him in Skyfall, that uh. just reiterates the exact same point. This dude lives to play the villain. And if Martin Scorsese can put him and just make it seeing what Scorsese did with um, Jack Nicholson in the departed, seeing what he can do with some of these just tough mobsters and tough characters. I think they'd kill it. Um, That's my least favorite of these options, but nonetheless, (laughs) I think that would work. That is a very good one. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. uh, It's funny because I've seen literally the other opposite side of Javier Bardem's work, which is like all independent films, whatever. I love that guy. He's such a good, he's such a good actor. Such a good actor. I think if you pair him with uh, Scorsese, you got a gem on your hands. I don't know what role he would play, good guy, bad guy, whatever, but I think they would bring out the best in each other. Um, so starting at five, I also went with Martin Scorsese. <laughs> uh, that's why I was really kind of worried. Like, oh man, I hope we didn't pick the same guy. But uh, my struggle was trying to find someone that Scorsese hadn't worked with. Uh, I know he mostly does like Italian mobster movies. So I was like, it would be interesting or at least a change of pace or maybe, you know, just plug this guy in wherever you can fit him. But then I realized they had worked together. So I was like, was it? Ugh, I got to switch that up. It was Samuel L. Jackson, but they had worked together on Goodfellas. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Talk about a minimal role. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. 
But I was like, oh, wait, they have worked together. So I was like, ugh, I got to dig dig a little deeper, try to find somebody, anybody, you know what I'm saying, that could work with Martin Scorsese. And huh, <laughs> this is why this one is last on my list. But uh, I went with Sarah Michelle Geller. <laughs> uh, Interesting. Yeah. Normally, Scorsese does a lot of films uh, that are male-centered. So I was like, uh, you know, a nice switch of pace would be if he went with them. I, I don't know about a female-centric film, but definitely uh, features more females. So I went with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Uh, she hasn't had a lot of work uh, recently. And I think, you know, nothing boosts your profile quite like working with one of the greatest directors of all time. Uh, so I don't know what he would do with her. I feel like she could definitely play more of a role than, than say Anna Paquin did, which was very quiet and submissive in The Irishman. Uh, so I'd like to see, and I think this would be an interesting challenge for Scorsese as well, just to be able to uh, work, with a work with more female characters and, uh, be able to bring more out of them than than he normally does so funny that was that, my choice it's funny that you thought i would i would pick the same as you because <laughs> I, th I thought you were going with samuel L. jackson at first but then oh, i realized okay, they'd okay. already worked together so number four for me not necessarily i would get excited about this i would but i don't love this one nearly as much as some of the higher ones on my list so coming to number four for me um i like to see scarlett johansson she I think is just one of these actresses that has just gotten better over time. She's obviously very talented, um, but I think that she just keeps getting better. You see her in Jojo Rabbit. You see her in Marriage Story last year, two just great performances. I'd like to see her work with Damien Chazelle. Um, Chazelle. Scarlett in, yep. in Chazelle? Yep. I don't, know if she, I don't know if Scarlett Johansson could sing. but Yes, she can. Ryan Gosling and um, Emma Stone aren't necessarily the best singers in the world either. I don't think anyone's necessarily talking about Miles Teller or J.K. Simmons as singers. And I don't even know if this necessarily has to be a musical movie, but Scarlett Johansson, I think she can pretty much do anything. I think Damien Chazelle would have an absolutely uh, great cast headlined by her. And this would get me excited because Chazelle's worked with a lot of great actors and actresses. This would just continue down the line. And just seeing Scarlett Johansson outside of her Black Widow roles, like I said, great talent. Chazelle pretty much writes in absolutely brilliant roles for anyone. And I'd like to see her um, in a female-led Damien Chazelle movie. Nice. I don't know if it has to be – it doesn't necessarily have to be a musical – um, or even about music. But if Chazelle wants to go that route, I'm sure she'd do a fantastic job. And again, we keep matching. <laughs> Great. So um, my fourth pick also featured Scarlett Johansson. Uh, I agree. I think she has gotten so much better with time. And not to say that her, her previous roles, you know, her younger roles were bad. Not at all. Uh, I think she's been a stellar actress pretty much her entire career. Um, but I think now she's like stepping into the veteran territory where people are like, Hey, you know, you can, you can do anything. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, anyone who knows me knows I'm a huge, huge fan of independent films. 
and uh, and I look uh, towards a lot of independent directors, and you know, no one could gain so much from uh, having a star at the level of Scarlett Johansson on their side. Uh, so I went with uh, Celine Shiama, who is the director of my favorite movie of 2019, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Uh, I think Celine, and Celine has done incredible movies beforehand, like Girlhood and uh, Water Lilies, Tomboy, all of which fantastic movies. Uh, and she's a really, she does really like gritty kind of films. So I think Scarlet being thrown in there. Uh, you mentioned Javier Bardem earlier. One of my favorite films with Javier Bardem is Vicky Cristina Barcelona, which also starred Scarlett Johansson. So I was like, it would be nice to see Scarlett dip back into an independent film uh, realm and just and just kill because she's freaking fantastic. So that's that's my choice. Fantastic director, really strong actress. I think they make. I think they make magic. So that's my choices. Oops. Wonderful. Uh, cracking the top three for me. It's going to be Spike Lee. Oh, um, okay. You know, I wanted, I wanted to throw in an iconic black director. Like I, I just <laughs> did. And Jordan Peele is not iconic, but I kind of threw my take out there for who I want to see work with Jordan Peele. If you're uh, wondering who that is, check us out over on Twitter because I definitely use that pick again, but I didn't want to rehash Jordan Peele. So going with Spike, um, <sighs> Spike's worked with a lot of talented actors, yeah. <laughs> ton of talent. People love working with Spike, but there's one really talented actor who I, I think you're going to love this. This is right up your alley. Um, there's one really talented actor who I'm surprised hasn't worked with Spike Lee. Uh, he is a two time, at least I think, I think it might be more, but it's at least two-time uh, Oscar winner Mahershala Ali. Mm -hmm. I think him paired with Spike, you can do some incredible things. I'm not saying he's the most talented actor Spike would have ever worked with because Spike's got a lot of talent, but <laughs> Mahershala Ali is just so talented. You see what he does, what he did in Green Book, in Moonlight, countless other films. Um, Spike would be able to definitely get the best out of him, and whatever you know, Spike's all about. Um, you know, informing people, opening people's eyes. Mahershala Ali definitely has the talent to do that. Uh, and with whatever story he wants to tell, this would be higher on my list. This is three. Um, this would be higher on my list if Spike doesn't get on the soapbox all the time. <laughs> like we talked about in the Five Bloods review. Right. I love Black Klansmen. I had a good time with the Five Bloods, but if Spike doesn't get on this soapbox all the damn time and just shove it down your throat this would be num <laughs> this would be number two but for right now Mahershala Ali and Spike Lee is number three not bad not bad all right finally we don't have a crossover I didn't pick Spike or Mahershala for this but uh kind of mad that I didn't uh so for my third pick I went with two people who are fairly new to the industry at least fairly new to being known uh, and I went with a writer-director whom I I just, I've seen, you know, for me, I've seen every Quentin Tarantino movie, but no director has ever made me feel like I need to watch all of their filmography 
like Tarantino, except for this guy. And that is Noah Baumbach. Mm-hmm. Noah Baumbach, uh, I've seen now three of his films, uh, Marriage Story, uh, <clears throat> While We're Young, and Francis Ha. Uh, obviously, Marriage Story is the best one <laughs> out of those. Um, but he's got two other ones that I, I'm anxious to watch, and I can't wait. Um, but Noah Baumbach is a fantastic writer director. He's one of one of the few who does both, and uh, and I like his style of writing. That's why I, I chose him. Uh, and I would like to see him work with fairly newcomer Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors, who was in the Last Black Man in San Francisco, and who was also in the Five Bloods. Uh, really good talented actor like like really good like he's especially strong of an actor and i just i feel like noah could bring something out of him that like you just you you had no idea existed so for me that's a that's a pairing i just want to see because i just feel like we're gonna get a genuinely heartfelt movie with those two together i like that I do. My number two pick does not necessarily have the, I might have to sell everyone on this a little more. (laughs) Um, You know, you, if you're a film fan, you'll know these two people, but you know, I've in the last three picks I've had, I went with some pretty big names, Spike Lee, Martin Scorsese, Scarlett Johansson, Mahershala Ali. These are names you'll recognize, but they're not iconic. They're not big names. So I'm gonna have to sell you the dream on this one a little bit. And I think I can. Greta Gerwig. She did Lady Bird. She did Little Women. She did another one I haven't seen. But Little Women was fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. One of the best movies of 2019. Yeah. Lady Bird is also fantastic. Yeah. Great movie. I know that Saoirse Ronan is her girl. (laughs) I know she loves to work with them. We can't do that for this. But seeing what Greta Gerwig is able to get out of these young actors, you talk about not only Saoirse Ronan, but Timothy Chalamet is in both those films. You talk about Florence Pugh in Little Women. I think, I don't think she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress at the Oscars. Florence she Pugh? should have been. She, yeah. she was. She, yeah, she was she nominated. Was. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Another young actress that is really blossoming and starting to get in a lot of films. I think Greta Gerwig just as she might be the best female director working right now. She's just getting started too, so. Mm-hmm. I just think she is able to pull out of young actors and actresses the best, the best they can do. Young, specifically. Because obviously Greta Gerwig is young as well. The actress I want to pair up with Greta Gerwig is someone who I think is talented. I don't think she's not, I don't think she's top 10 actress in Hollywood as far as talent or anything like that. And I also have not seen her in a role where she can really dominate the screen. That actress is Zendaya. Ooh. Uh, she's in the Spider-Man movies. Yes. Don't love her in those movies. She's in The Greatest Showman. She's very good in The Greatest Showman, but she's like the fifth or sixth option in that movie. I need to see her in a role where it's her and her only, where she can dominate. I know she just made that movie with John David Washington. Not sure when we're going to get that. I know she stars in Euphoria. 
the great TV show. series. I have not seen that, so I don't know what she can do. But I want to see her work with a talented actress, or I'm sorry, a talented director, Greta Gerwig, that just pulls the best out of these young, young actors. And Zendaya's got talent, but I think this would be wonderful. I think she'd pull the best out of Zendaya. I could see Zendaya getting the nom for, for best actress. I want to see this. This would, this would, this would make me crazy. I would love this. That would blow me away. And my biggest reason for it is because Zendaya just has not had the opportunity on the big screen for a role like this. Right. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think that would be nice. Greta Gerwig and Zendaya. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. Feel like Zendaya would definitely, <laughs> definitely see something come out of that. that I'm glad you glad you're on board with that one. All right, so this one is a pairing of two people that uh, honestly, I don't I don't understand how they're not e- at least speaking to each other about working together because it's ridiculous uh, that they have it. Um, my director is a Oscar-winning director. Well, his movie won an Oscar, I should say that. <laughs> and the, movie, the two movies he's done have been nominated for Oscars. He's just hitting it out of the park, uh, right out of the gate. And that is Mr. Barry Jenkins, director of Moonlight, director of If Bill Street Could Talk, to a, to a, some of the best movies I've ever seen. Um, and I want him to work with the only Black actress to have ever won a lead Oscar, and that is Halle Berry. I think they would do magic together. Just absolute magic. Um, Barry Jenkins is on fire. Halle Berry, I feel, has been trying to get back into the uh, Oscar conversation for for years now. She's been trying to, she's been taking roles that, like, where she has to de-glam, she's just looking for ways to to make people recognize her. And I think working with Barry will do it. Barry's sensational. So that that movie, I don't know what it would be, I don't know how it would work, but I think Barry brings out the best in his actors. And I think he does some of the most sensational films I've ever seen. So Halle Berry, Barry Jenkins, make it happen. Barry and Barry. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't just I just thought of that. <laughs> That's funny. All right. I like that too. Yeah. Um, come to number one. My number oh. one option. <sighs> my number one option is gonna piss you off. <laughs> oh boy. I already know it. There are a lot of great directors working. There just are. Yeah. A lot of very talented directors. Um I'm really in no position to rank directors or anything like that. But I think there's one director specifically that stands out in my mind that does seemingly everything right in almost every film they do. I've seen one of his films that I am not in love with, but virtually every other film he does, almost everything is perfect. Like almost everything else is perfect from the acting, from the set design, from the script It's perfect. And that man is David Fincher. Mm. I think when you watch a social network, that's just 
one of the best made films mm-hmm. of all time. Yes. From a biopic to connecting it to real life. You see Zodiac, another film Great that film. I think is a little slow, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's just a wonderfully made movie. Um, the film that I wasn't necessarily in love with is The Game, starring Michael Douglas. That one's a little outside Fincher's realm, but when he sticks to what he knows, these biopics, you talk about Mank coming out in 2020, supposed, supposed to, with Gary Oldman. <sighs> David Fincher just seemingly is, he does everything right. You got, you know, you got Tarantino who wants to stick with his style. You got Zack Snyder who doesn't even let his vision uh, get played out. Fincher just does it right, man. And I, I want to see him work with an absolute talent. He's, he's worked with a ton of talent. Brad Pitt, you know, he got the best out of um, Jesse Eichen, Eichenberg. He's worked with Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr., Daniel Craig. Like, he, he works with great people. I want to see him work with Sam Rockwell. I want <laughs> Sam Rockwell nice. and David Ooh. Fincher. Nice. That would get me over the moon excited because yeah. ever since I saw three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, a few mm-hmm. months ago, I've been in love with Sam Rockwell's performance. I've seen everything he does. I'm not saying everything he does is a great movie because Mr. Right is awful. Iron Man yes, 2 is, is not good, <laughs> but Sam Rockwell is just, I think the most underrated actor in Hollywood, as far as talent versus recognition, you put him in a David Fincher movie, what Fincher is able to do with his lead actors, what Fincher's able to do from a storytelling perspective. Sam Rockwell, David Fincher would get me over the moon excited. And I think that could be an iconic performance. That is a, that's a pairing that needs to happen. Yes. 100%. Uh, I love Sam Rockwell, man. Like, yeah. Three billboards. He was excellent in three billboards. Like fantastic. Like, and and I too, like since since seeing that, have gone back and revisited a lot of Sam Rockwell's roles. And I was like, even in like Mr. Right, which I think is a god awful movie, Sam Rockwell's still great. <laughs> like he's still great in that. Uh, Richard Jewell, he was fantastic in Richard Jewell. I was oh, like, I I completely forgot he was even yeah. in Richard Jewell. That's how oh, forgettable that movie is. But oh yeah, um, like, yeah. Even then, in and Vice. Um, he plays. Yeah, he plays the, George Bush. He, he plays an idiot perfectly. <laughs> like this man can do anything. And with what, I just think with Fincher's storytelling ability mm. and the scripts Fincher makes, and just how precise he is with seemingly everything, I think like if you're talking about just precise actors, will get the job done to the best of their ability paired with the same way just for directors i think these are the, this is the best combo you can make okay no so here here's my number one and uh if you don't hate it i sh- i'm sure someone out there listening will definitely hate it um i'll try to be nice so i paired a director who's who i think has done fantastic work um but you know some people find some stuff great and other stuff like the worst he's ever done and should never touch film ever again. Uh, and I paired him with an actor who hasn't worked in a while, who's, uh, whose claim to fame is a very classic 90s movie. And uh, I think they would be brilliant together in 
his next film. So I went with Ryan Johnson. My director, Ryan Johnson, who I think is fantastic. I've loved everything he's done. Yes, including his Star Wars movies. I've loved Knives Out. I thought Ryan Johnson was great. He's a great director, smart director. And I paired him with Macaulay Coughlin. <laughs> I think, yes, yes, I did. <laughs> I oh, think boy. Macaulay Coughlin deserves a return to the big screen. And I think he should be paired with none other than Ryan Johnson in whatever he decides to call Knives Out 2. I think they would be a perfect fit for that kind of movie. Home Alone <laughs> 6. <laughs> with Ryan Johnson at the helm. Who knows, man? Home Alone 6. <laughs> 60 years old Home Alone. Invasion Home of, Alone. <laughs> invasion of the Retired Citizen. Like, Jesus. Uh, I don't know what kind of movie it would be. It could be a comedy. It could be... If he does the, the Knives Out sequel, I think Macaulay should be invited in. Um, Macaulay did a movie a long time ago, independent film that I saw, called uh, Party Monster, where he played this uh, unhinged gay drug addict, you know, who was like a sociopath and a manipulator. And it let, like, it led me to think like, you know, he's got range. This dude's got range. He was in another movie called Saved, where he, paid, he played like a paraplegic who was a atheist, right? And, and he, he, he can do, he can do this. Like a lot of people think of him as just, uh, just the, uh, the kid Alone. from Home Alone, right? But like the dude's got range. He, he's, he went the Pattinson route after, after uh, Home Alone and he, he, he worked with a lot of independent, worked on a lot of independent films, a lot of different directors. I think he would be the perfect fit for Ryan Johnson. I could be crazy, but that's my pick. The, the most random number one you could possibly get, Ryan Johnson, Macaulay Culkin. All righty. Those are our picks. There's another great one for who you want to see work with Jordan Peele. Over on Twitter, you'll have to check us out on Twitter at Film Code Pod if you want to see that. I would love to hear Nick and Jeremy's takes. Maybe we can get a couple next show. Yeah. Um, but we gave you ten director actor combos. We'd love to see and none and none that match. That's that's really awesome. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I think we definitely have some some great uh, some great picks there. So this is something we'd love to do again. Um, if you enjoyed this segment, let us know for sure because this is a ton of fun and there's a ton more combos we could come up with oh yeah <laughs> so uh i thought of a few more while we were just while we were just sitting here so let's move over to what's good and, and close this thing out you mean film code film code yes I'm sorry. <laughs> you are now film code so uh let me look up here his code word was musician wow i swallowed my words there uh was musician musician why can't i say that today 
His code word was musician. Uh, and his clues were American. That was his first clue. Uh, and his second clue was the director of the movie has won more than one Academy Award. And then he gave us an 11 year gap between 1989 to 2000. Uh, Nick made this as hard as possible. <laughs> this has definitely been the hardest of all the film kids we've done. Yeah. Uh, so I had a pick. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it's wrong. <laughs> but uh, so Why I was thinking, yeah, yeah, I was thinking the way I took this was I wasn't sure if because he says musician and he says American. And I was thinking biopic, right? American musicians has got to be a biopic, right? Mm -hmm. So I went searching for an 11 year gap biopic i was like i don't know but the one clue that threw me off was the director had won more than one academy award so i was like as i as i found things that matched american musician i was like the directors literally was never even nominated for an award so i was like i don't know so then i was like what if he doesn't mean that uh it's a biopic but that the person who stars in it is a musician. And I was like, well, if that's the case, that made it a little bit easier. So I went with Madonna, who is an American. And I went with a director whose name is Alan Parker, who has won two Academy Awards. And it was released in 97, I wanna say. And that is Evita, the musical that stars Madonna, Jonathan Price and Antonio Banderas about the woman who married into her royalty and became the savior of Argentina. It is a musical. It is a terrible musical, but <laughs> that was my choice of Vita. I just finished watching it. It was, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was not it, good. It was okay. It's like, you know, it's, it was the 90s. Uh, you know, musicals, I guess, were set differently. It's like, yeah, like just my type of musical doesn't flow that way. It was, it was weird. It was like they were singing, but they were singing actual sentences that didn't rhyme. So it was just weird. <laughs> like in the middle of songs. It was just, it was just weird. But uh, that was it. Uh, there was some good moments in it, and I do think Madonna acted her ass off. Madonna's actually a really impressive actress. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was my pick. So, since Nick's here, uh, not here, excuse me, since Nick's not here, but it is his film code, he did tell me, so we're still able to do this. Um, that is not it. And um, this was really hard. Like, Nick gave a, did not give us any leeway here. This is really tough. So, I went with where, how I tried to attack this was I went for the uh, director had two Academy Awards, looked it up. Wikipedia has like maybe 20 names. A lot of them are really old, haven't made a movie that even came out. Like they were done making movies by the 90s. Yeah. So uh, I went and tried to find them. And then I would look at all those directors filmography and find something related to music found a couple but they were like actual documentaries and I was like I don't think you pick a documentary mm. um 
I actually saw this movie that that ended up being the Nick's choice, but it's just like the clues he gave. I don't think <laughs> were specified to this film enough to at least give it there. Um, so I ended up not watching anything because I couldn't find, like I couldn't find it. I right. literally just. I didn't even have, I don't even have a guess. Like that's how, <laughs> that's how vague this was. That's how hard it was. Um, I don't even have a guess. Like I gave up. I couldn't even find a single film that was close. Um, the film that it is, is actually on my watch list and we're going to watch it here uh, sometime soon. So I'm glad he kind of picked it. I just wish he gave more clues. This is a very, very long film. 1991. Ooh. The director is Oliver Stone. And the musician he is talking about, the American musician he is talking about, is composer John Williams. So it has absolutely nothing to do with the movie (laughs) itself. It has to do with John Williams behind the camera and his fantastic, fantastic resume. Great director. I just think this was so hard. and the movie he is talking about is 1991's JFK, oh. starring <laughs> Kevin Costner, Tommy Lee Jones, Gary Oldman, Michael Rooker. Um, on my watch list because it's got a great cast, also because it's you know pretty historic. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, I just think the clues were <laughs> were really hard as far as as far as this is concerned. So Nick's film code was. JFK from 1991. Um, I did not even have a guess. Your guess was Avita, so no points there. <laughs> but um, it's your code word this week, right? Yes, it is. Thank hopefully goodness. you. Hopefully you <laughs> won't make it that hard. Yeah, that that was pretty pretty <laughs> freaking hard. Uh, yikes! So that's like Hall of Fame difficulty. Yeah, we're tr- we're, we're trying to. We're trying to do like beginner here. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was that was just that that was outrageous. Okay. So <laughs> here is my code word. My code word this week is apple. Gotcha. Apple. Like the like the fruit. Uh gotcha. And my clues are I'll give you the year right out of the gate. So we're not doing a 10, 11 year period. The year is 2010. There it is. <laughs> the year gotcha. is 2010. All right. Uh, and the clue, another clue is Spider-Man. There is an actor from one of the Spider-Man movies in this movie. Uh, yeah. And uh, the word is Apple. Gotcha. There right. we go. I hope that one's at least a modicum easier <laughs> than I what feel like it's gotta be than what Nick gave us. But uh, yeah, I feel like I already have a. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I already have a guest, but it's okay. All right, if you haven't seen it, I hope you watch it because I think it's an absolutely fantastic movie. Uh, yeah, so there it is, Apple, <clears throat> twenty ten teacher actor from a Spider-Man movie is in it. All righty. And that's our code word. And I'm mad that I didn't get this one because I worked really hard on it. (laughs) 
and I have been watching an absolutely long garish movie to only be wrong. <laughs> Alrighty, that's uh, that's the show. We were short man today, but that's all right. We made it work. All the yeah. better. Um, just want to stress one more time, guys. We really love doing this, but we don't know if that you love listening. So <laughs> please interact with us over on Twitter. We're on Facebook, YouTube. Um, however you're listening to this, obviously works for you to listen to it, but we're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts. There's several different ways you can find us. Just interact with us, please. Like, we don't get a ton of interactions. Um, we just want to know that you're listening. We know you're listening. We just want to hear from you. Um, right. <clears throat> whether it be on our Twitter or on our individual pages, just let us know. So, my name is Nathan Pig. You can find me over on Letterbox at Nathan Pig. Got a little lightning symbol next to my name. That's how you know it's me. Feel free to interact with me. Um, and then, like I said, over on Twitter at Film Code Pod, we have a very great interview with April Rain that we did a few weeks back. If you haven't gotten the opportunity to check that out, please do. Talking all things from diversity and inclusion to what's wrong with the Oscars to her life story. So wonderful interview. We are so fortunate that she was able to sit down with us. So please go check that out if you haven't already. However you're listening to this episode right now, you should be able to find it there. Um, this is a good show, Phoenix. Thanks. Yeah, no problem, man. And uh, once again, my name is Phoenix Cloudin. You can find me on Letterboxd under P.A. Cloudin and on Twitter at I-M-H-O Reviews 1. That's the number one. And like uh, Nathan said, man, follow the show. We're on Twitter, Film Code Pod. Uh, we we po post actually a lot. So uh, if you want to interact with us, feel free, feel free to do so. We got a poll up right now that needs a lot more answers because uh, Nathan's winning the poll and we can't have that. So, uh, <laughs> what else is real? Right, right. Feel free to add, uh, add us on, on Twitter and uh, interact with us. We will see you guys next week. Super excited. And uh, yeah, this has been Film Code. Peace.